This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we talk to a movie star and a TV star who has starred in General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, and The Thirst of Christ. We talk to Eric Fellows. A very good-looking man. Listen to Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and this is another fun and exciting episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And Lou, at the top of uh, every episode, we always like to just do a little bit of uh, chit-chat. Uh, of course, this is being recorded uh, in uh, advance of when it's actually going to air. So some of the things we talk about might not be quite as topical as uh, when we're actually talking about them, if that makes any sense. But I know I asked you about this a while back. I just wanted to throw this out, even though the uh, summer weather has uh, left us behind. Uh, did you decide to not do anything with the air conditioning with your uh, Ford Explorer, and you're just going to hold off until next year? Yeah, right now I've, uh, um, you know what, and, and uh, it's been so cool. I haven't even thought about it until you brought it up right now. But obviously, I'll have to uh, consider that over the winter. <laughs> it's always, always something to worry about. Worry about getting your air conditioning fixed in the winter months. That's always uh, an interesting thing. But then we'll probably have a heat wave in the spring or the summer, and you'll be glad that you did. As far right. as that is concerned, uh, I always like to talk about stuff we see on the roads. Uh, we've added a new wrinkle to that with Lou talking about a car or two that he has ridden in with his uh, My Car Story with Lou YouTube channel when he's uh, out uh, videotaping cars. He also likes to ride in them from time to time, and that's always a a fun and exciting thing to do uh, in addition to just watching him talk about the cars. You actually kind of get to go along for a ride with him, but Recently on the road, Lou, I, this is nothing that's groundbreaking as far as uh, cars and usual or anything, but uh, just some kind of uh, typical American uh, stuff that I saw on the roads. Uh, 72 Corvette, red with the uh, roof panel off, so somebody was enjoying the uh, day with the roof panel removed. It's good to see because you don't always see, you know, I own my Corvette for a year, I still technically own it because it's for sale, but I haven't driven it. But uh, I drove it for a year, and I never took the roof panel off. I had both the body color and the uh, blue Lexan plastic um, roof panels, and I just always left them on. I didn't use the Targa the Targa look, but it's always nice to see somebody driving around a Corvette with the roof panel removed. Also saw a couple of Chevelles, a nice uh, gray uh, Chevelle and a maroon Chevelle with a black vinyl top and then one uh, car from the UK and this was a nice one to see. You don't see them too often on the road. A beautiful British racing green Austin Healey 3000 with a black top. So a uh, very cool car and it's it's interesting too. I'll throw this out. There was um, a uh, it's not a PBS production, but it's uh, one of the um, English uh, production houses. Uh, actually, this one is done in Australia. Uh, there was a, uh, a series that ran on Australian TV called uh, Miss Fisher's Mysteries, and it was uh, this lady named Phryne Fisher back in, like, the 20s that would be, like, this closet detective, and she would always be... Um, solving mysteries and in that program she drove a hispano suiza which is a pretty amazing car and then they have a a reboot of her i think it's supposed to be her niece or something i think franny was supposed to be her aunt that happens in the um 60s and it's called miss fisher's modern uh mysteries and this uh uh niece of hers drives an Austin Healey 3000 in the series and it's it's so cool because it's uh it's I want to tell you it's right hand drive because it would be because it's in Australia and it's that kind of ice blue that you see a lot of uh 
Austin Healey 3000s, and it's a great car, and, and it was like so cool seeing them drive that. So whoever works on the vehicles for those productions has uh, has a fun job because they always have some neat stuff that uh, that they have uh, on that uh, program. So if you have a chance to watch uh, Miss Fisher's Modern Mysteries, um, check out the uh, Austin Healey uh, 3000. That's uh, that's in that one. I can I can just uh, see our Australian listeners right now going, yep, mate, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. So that's good. So what have you written in lately, Lou? So the uh, the one that I was in um, that was interesting was a uh, 2020 uh, Ferrari 488 Pista, P-I-S-T-A. Okay. And the interesting thing about the Pista is there's a big hole in what would look like the hood. It's a rear engine car, so the hood has this big oval-shaped hole that they use for a spoiler. So when the air comes off the front of the hood, it's angled up towards the windshield, and it pushes the front end of the car down. Sure. Which And it's a little bit of a limited edition versus the regular Ferrari 48. So the driver decided to take me for a ride. That video is not up yet. Uh, but it will be shortly, so stay tuned to YouTube channel My Car Story with Lou. And uh, I'll tell you why they call it a pista, because I almost pisted my pants. Uh, <laughs> the pista uh, la resistance. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Uh, that was one. Then the other one I was actually driving today was a 1970 Shelby Mustang GT500. So that was uh, a real treat to be driving that today. Uh, around uh, the neighborhood, sure. So that we so uh, I don't always get the chance to drive them, so it is kind of fun when I can get the chance and the uh, owner says, uh, "Would you like to drive it?" And by the way, the answer to that question is sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, you twist yeah, my arm. Yeah, there's there's a few times that I that I don't uh, take up the uh, the driving a car opportunity. So uh, yeah, so that was really fun. The interesting thing about driving that car. When you think Shelby Mustang, you think performance. And, of course, you're talking, uh, you know, the early Shelby Mustangs. And I can see why the people who looked at the 69 and 70 Shelby GT500 were not considering it much of a muscle car because, I mean, this one did have air conditioning and it was very comfortable and the steering was very easy. So it was truly more of a luxury car with a big engine. Uh, and great styling, then, uh, you know, your, your total, you know, you feel it rumbling, you're hearing the exhaust, it's uncomfortable, uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, difficult shifting, this was an automatic. Well, it's, the, know, it's it, the modern muscle car ethos, it really is. I mean, that's what you're basically yeah. describing is, is my Dodge Challenger. I mean, I can, of course, hear and enjoy the rumble of the engine, but it's an automatic, it's got dual zone climate control, nice comfortable seats, heated steering wheel, heated and cooled seats. I mean, it's just it's awesome. It's easy to drive. And it doesn't yes. beat you to death with a, you know, the ride is firm, but it doesn't beat you up as you're as you're riding around in it. And it's easy to steer and maneuver and yeah, I mean, I think that's what attracts people to to cars like the Challenger and the Camaro and the Mustang these days is the fact that you get the best of both worlds basically with a modern muscle car you get the performance you get the looks but then you get the the ease of of driving it and you know you're not going to be you know like we said beat up by driving it you're not your ears aren't going to be ringing because there's you know no sound insulation and your feet won't be boiling because there's no insulation between the firewall and the and and the accelerator pedal and things like that like maybe it was back in the day so uh what color was that gt500 it was grabber blue. Ooh, so that's is that kind of a is that a lighter is that that lighter blue the kind of like bright light blue? It is. It is a bright uh, blue, and also uh, the car has white reflector stripes on it. Okay. So um, uh, you know, it definitely catches your attention. Oh yeah. And there's there's no doubt about that. I I'm a little bit of a blue car fan, so. Uh, it was my favorite car that this uh, collector had, and uh, that's why after videoing several of his cars, I said, would you mind if I drive this way? I'm like, no, absolutely, go ahead. Take Let me ask you this. You may not yeah. know this, because um, I think it. you said that was an automatic. Was that the 10-speed automatic? Because I know you can get that on the on the Mustangs these days. And well, I was just... this, this was a 1970. So, Oh, wait, you know, I thought you said... 
I'm sorry. I thought you said it was a 2020 GT500. Did I say it was? Yeah. That's why I'm going on and on like modern muscle cars. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, no, this is a 1970. Right? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, then I, then I erase everything it. I just said about modern muscle cars because, no, I mean, what I said is true, but I I, I didn't I didn't realize. I, th- I swear you said 2020 GT500. Well, you saw the pista well, on, your, on, your, on your mind the 20, there. Yeah. The 2020 was the Ferrari 48 pista. Okay. I had that on my mind. Okay. Um, but you said, so this one was a, so this was... Was it a this resto a, mod or was it just no, this thoroughly is restored? Uh, completely restored, okay. like it was factory new. Okay, and um, 1970. Yes, yeah. so this is going back to the the 60s Mustang Shelby's. Okay, cool. And uh, the the Mustang owners of that time frame would share with you. Uh, the Shelby Mustang owners of that time frame would tell you that, you know, ah, the 69 and the 70, it's not really like the earlier ones because, you know, it's not brutal enough. <laughs> and, and and driving it, I now see what they mean. It was, and so it was uh, actually, it was a, it, what you said, it was an enjoyable and relatively yeah, easy was, driving experience. It was, it was an easy driving experience. I was hoping for a little more grunt and yeah. a little more aggravation from a muscle car. And uh, it was none of those. It was very easy to steer. The only thing maybe that it had, and this is very reminiscent of those time frames, is uh, although it does have disc brakes on the front, I believe drums in the back, I didn't think it had four drums all the way around. But, you know, the braking was not, uh, you know, uh, compared to what we're used to now, the braking was, you know, very uh, soft and spongy. So you'd hit hit the brakes and you'd need to to coast uh, to the to the stop sign you this wasn't uh hit the brakes and you get automatic response like we're used to now probably like your car that you're talking about yeah well it's good yeah because i i totally i know you said 2020s that's what i was thinking like then i started asking (laughs) some questions so there we go we've got it all straightened out so that's good to know but it's good that you had a an enjoyable experience in a 1970 mustang gt 500 in grabber blue which i love that uh I love that uh, name for uh, blue color, Grabber Blue, because it does grab you, right? It, it, uh, it, it sucks you right in. Be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. We're available on Spotify. We're also available on Amazon Music Podcasts, Amazon Audible. You can go to opishows.com or you can search Opi on either one of those platforms. O-P-P-I-H is the keyword there. You can email us, too, at any time. Feel free to do so. Report at hotmail.com is our email address. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And, Lou, you know that uh, Porsche now has an electric uh, vehicle out called the Porsche Taycan. It's pronounced Taycan, even though it's spelled T-A-Y-C-A-N. And I have seen uh, a, one or two on the roads, actually. It's a really neat-looking four-door uh, car. And this came from Road & Track. Uh, we're talking, of course, this will be airing... Uh, uh, in the future, but this was third quarter of 2020. So we're talking July through September of 2020. The U.S. sales for the Porsche Taycan comes in at number three out of their uh, lineup, which is interesting because, of course, the Macan, we all know, is the best seller. In the July to September 2020 quarter, uh, Porsche sold 5,466 Macans. They sold 4,509 Cayennes. And then the Taycan takes number three position at 1,858 units sold. So that beats the uh, 718 Cayman at 1,084. It beats the 911 at 1,567. And it beats all the uh, Panameras at 1,064. So that's a, a very strong showing, even though it's, you know, almost not quite 2,000 units, that's a pretty good showing for that car right out of the gate because it's not a, a not an inexpensive vehicle, and it's beating, you know, the 911 in sales, which I think is incredible because the 911 should always be, a you know, a strong seller. The takeaway that Road & Track said on this was 
Uh, most importantly, though, this could be a one-quarter anomaly. They're not sure if that just because it's a brand-new car, everyone wants to, everyone that wants one is going to buy one right away. But they said if it becomes a trend, though, it could show that even non-Tesla EVs can be more desirable and popular than their traditional counterparts. Because I think the big loser in this uh Porsche lineup here is the Panamera only moving 1,064 units down 16% from a year from the third quarter a year ago. So we'll just have to see how the uh, Taycan holds up in uh, sales, but uh, certainly uh, doing well so far, at least here in the U.S. And uh, keep your eyes peeled for one of those on the road. You can't miss them because it has these like really cool headlights on it, and it's just a Really awesome-looking vehicle, I must say. We're at the point in the program where we like to talk about a car that was either uh, recently sold or for sale, spotted online, whether it came from bringatrailer.com, hemmings.com, or some other online uh, sales source. And this one, Lou, we've talked about this car briefly, I believe, and it's a good-looking car, a car you don't see too often. This comes from Bring a Trailer, and I wrote it down as well sold. What am I talking about? A 1966 AMC Marlin. Now, the Marlin was kind of a midsize uh, car, uh, quad headlights in front, nice uh, two-door fastback design. Um, I don't know the entire history of the Marlin, but I know they didn't really sell too many of them. You don't see them too often. Uh, this one was pretty nice looking, 68,000 miles shown on the odometer, had the um, optional two-barrel carburetor uh, feeding the 232 cubic inch inline six so just a basic uh, power plant in the car, uh, three-speed automatic. It had new correct color paint, which is important because this was called, and this is another great color and a great name for the color, Cortez Aqua Metallic, which you can just imagine what a great color for a car named a Marlin, right? But... Um, Cortez Aqua Metallic was the color of this one. Well sold. What is your guess, Lou, on what you think this uh, hammered uh, sold for on Bring a Trailer? Oh, it's a rare fish. Um, I'm going to, uh, and I agree with you, great color for the car. Uh, great color of the time period mm -hmm. as well. Um, I'm going to say, uh, how many miles on it? Uh, 68,000. I'm going to say... Uh, $25,000. You're a little high, but not that far off. It sold for seventeen five. So I, I thought that was well sold because, it to me, it actually went a little higher in, in price than I thought it would because it only has a six-cylinder, and I believe that it, I'm pretty sure you could have gotten a V8 uh, in that car. But they're, they're rare, though. I mean, they're a good-looking car. It's aged well. Uh, it kind of looks a little bit like a... Um, you know, it has kind of Nova overtones just a little bit, but of course, this is precursor to the uh, Nova. It has a little bit of a, a Ford, uh, like a Fairlane look to it, just kind of in the way the, the, the fastback goes and everything, but full wheel covers. I'm going to help you. It looks yeah. like a Dodge, it looks like a 66 Dodge Charger. You really think so? Not quite as, as svelte and swoopy as that, but I think it's well, a good car. The, the back end of the two cars were almost identical to each other. Okay. Clearly, the front ends were completely different. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the Chrysler people uh, were engineers, and the AMC people decided to go to lunch. <laughs> so, uh, well, remember, they didn't yeah. have a lot of money to play with, so yeah, they, they had they, to they make do with what they had. Yeah, they took the Rambler front end and yeah, they did. bolted it on yeah. to the back end of the Charger. Yeah. And uh, there's no there's no doubt that uh, I think it's more rare to see the front end of the Rambler Marlin because uh, it uh, I think the '65 they called it the Rambler Marlin, and then '66 they went just to the Marlin. Uh, but uh, uh, I do have one of each. Uh, I was going to say, is there is there one swimming around on your uh, YouTube channel? There, there is, there is definitely a big fish on there. I'm just going right now to the channel and punching in the word Marlin. So if you go to my car story with Lou and punch in the word Marlin, you will see there's a 65 American Motors Rambler Marlin. Okay. So it's called it 65. And in 66, they did, they did call it a Marlin. Yeah. And, uh, 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 the interesting thing in 66, too, is, was this a 66 or Yeah, 66. 66. 66 was, it was if they had that vinyl roof, 
it went all the way down to between the taillights. Yeah, that's the cool. Yeah, because the, the back end on that car at the back window, the way they did it, and I think the fuel filler is right in the center, isn't it, of that strip coming down? Yeah, it usually has like a big Marlin. Uh, or it's the logo that I'm thinking, yeah, because I see the fuel filler here on the fender, but there's a, like a big round logo there right in the middle. That's what I remember. Yeah, in the back there's a big Marlin fish with that big long nose. Yeah. In, in the uh, in the center of that, yeah, that's a, a unmistakable badge. Yeah, I do think I, I'm not sure. I'd have to look at the video, but I, I think it's either the fillers on the side of the car. It is. Like it that. is on the side. Yeah, because I see it in this picture okay. here. Yeah, it's on the uh, it's on yeah. the driver's side uh, rear quarter panel. Yeah. Rarely but, do you see a picture of the Marlin in the front of it. You usually just see a picture the of back. the back. Exactly, and then this this is the exact opposite because the well, there's a ton of other pictures, but the main picture uh, that I printed out has just shows showing the front end. But yeah, neat car, and I think the color is great, Cortez Aqua Metallic. And I thought, you know, I thought I'm not saying the guy overpaid, but I think the seller made out well at seventeen five uh, for that car. But uh, and and you you uh, taught me something I didn't know today, Lou. I didn't know that they were called the Rambler Marlin in '65, and then jumped the uh, Rambler moniker and just kept Marlin for '66. So cool! It's uh, neat cars. You don't see them too often. I see maybe one or two a year at a car show, and and that's about it. So uh, we've talked about this before. We've said that uh, AMCs are not necessarily the most popular cars out there, but you have your definitely people that are fans of the american motors uh cars so uh definitely something to uh, keep your eyes peeled for uh at your next uh, car show happening sometime uh in 2021 hopefully if you like the car guys report informed automotive and we certainly hope that you do be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the uh, show Free Kicks. It's an OPI show. Rick Kempfer and Adam Howarth discuss all the latest in the world of soccer. Uh, Rick is knee-deep in the world of soccer, and uh, you can listen to Free Kicks on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You can go to uh, Spotify and check it out there. You can go to opishows.com. Or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits, and that's where you'll find free kicks. And you'll also find the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. That's who we are. Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. And, Lou, this one uh, appeared online recently. And I always uh, enjoy uh, stories like this. You're familiar with the term new old stock, correct? Now, sometimes people tend to not use the term correctly, at least, uh, you know, I'm a watch uh, enthusiast as well. And, you know, there'll be people that are calling, you know, uh, a Rolex new old stock when it's only like three years old just because it hasn't sold. And I'm like, that's to me isn't really new old stock to me. New old stock has to be something that's, you know, 20, 25, 30 years old. And what we mean by new old stock is in the automotive realm. And it refers to basically anything can be called new old stock, but specifically in the automotive realm, it's parts that uh, never sold. Uh, They'll still be in their original packaging. They'll be sealed up. And for whatever reason, maybe the dealer went out of business. Maybe they had too many in stock, maybe whatever. It's just an actual genuine part for the car from the factory that never sold. And you, you're buying it then 20 or 30 years later. And a lot of times, you know, new old stock part, even though it's brand new, might not look that new because it's been sitting in a box for so long. There might be some corrosion or some sort of deterioration on it. But at least, you know, you're getting the original thing. And that's what really makes a difference. And lo and behold, <clears throat> Porsche recently has uh, discovered uh, about 100 crankcases for 1984 through 1998 911s. They were just kind of knocking around the factory and I don't know how that happened. I don't know how they had uh, these crankcases. They call them crankcases basically since it's a horizontally opposed engine. It's, it's kind of like what you would call the engine block. It's the center part of the engine where the um, crankshaft is. And um, what they did, they said Porsche had a small stock of old crankshaft blanks 
in storage. And now this is where it gets really interesting. And it said, and its classic department wanted to mill them into working components, but the original plans were illegible. I don't know why that happened. So they said, so they sat. But recently, Porsche Historic Motorsports began making new crankcases for the 962 Group C car, a fixture on the historic racing scene. And someone realized that the 962 crankcase and the 911 crankcase were almost identical. The historic motorsports department shared its plans with the classic department. It's interesting that two different departments in in motors in in motorsports or in a in a car manufacturer actually talk to each other because a lot of times they're they're in competition with each other and they said and they got a local company got to work actually machining the old blanks and i just think it's funny could you just imagine some guy from porsche calling some some machine shop in germany going yeah porsche here uh can you uh mill some crankcases for us <laughs> just i don't know why they they they, they didn't want to do it themselves but it's, i think it's hilarious that they just literally you know I, I i envision this this german farmer in a in a barn somewhere uh machining these things i'm sure that's not the case but they said that three different versions of the crankcase are available they will fit seven different 911 variants so you can use them on a 1984 through 89 carrera or turbo which covers a, a lot of ground right there the second one is good for 1991 to 92 964 turbo, 3.3 liters. And the third is good for both 964 and 993 generation Carreras, plus the 964 turbo, 3.6 and 993 turbo. They said uh, this crankcase works for most every 911 built from 1984 to 1988, save for the ultra-rare 3.8 liter variants. And they say that um, they're going to sell these things through uh, dealers. And the price will be, if I'm recalling correctly, I think they said it was uh, 89. Let me blow the paper here. Yeah, $7,978.85 in U.S. dollars. So if you have about eight grand burning a hole in your restoration budget for uh, an older air cooled 911, you need a new crankcase. Well, you can go to your Porsche dealer and order one right now. They've got a hundred of these blanks, and once they're gone, they're gone. But um, I just think, I just love stories like that where they kind of stumble upon these parts that have just been collecting dust somewhere in the back. And then they realize that, hey, we can make some money off of this and we could help further the brand. Because the, really the, the crux of this to me, Lou, is the fact that they're helping to preserve their heritage because these crankcases will definitely go into cars that are going to be restored and driven and shown and things like that, and they're going to be done correctly. So I think that's really what I love about it because, because you know, how many times have we heard stories where, you know, car companies come across a stash of stuff and they just throw it into the dumpster and just it goes to naught? Instead of, you know, taking the effort to sit here and machine these things out and then put them up for sale at not a ridiculous price either. I mean, eight grand for something like that doesn't seem like it's out of the ballpark. You know, and we had that story um, a few episodes ago about Jaguar selling new, brand new made uh, engine blocks for the 3.8 liter um, six cylinder Jaguars. And those are brand new, but they're made with the old um blueprints and things like that so again that's just keeping your heritage alive and and things like that i just think it's it's a very uh cool thing to do have you ever had any experience buying a new old stock part for any kind of car i never have really i bought used parts i don't think i've ever really stumbled across anything that was a new old stock part either at a auto parts store or a dealer anywhere have you ever done such a thing I have, I have not. Um, you know, hopefully as the channel continues to grow, my problem will be, you know, where do I park these muscle cars? <laughs> so, so far I haven't had that. So, uh, you know, the only thing I have had a challenge with is one time I uh, curbed a uh, back uh, rim and uh, I had to get a uh, new rim for the back of back tire of my Viper. And that was, uh, uh, you know, that was through the dealer. And that was, uh, that was, uh, expensive and uh painful and i guess you know there's some people who actually uh what's the word uh you know uh work on your rims oh yeah there's all kinds of wheel repair places but in in the case of your viper i think you did the right thing because i've always been 
a little leery. You know, you see these these wheels that come in with these dents and, and things on them. I mean, we wonder about the structural integrity of the rim once it's been straightened, so to speak. <laughs> and the way they do it sometimes is, you know, it's basically brute force to put on a roller. And it's just amazing that they can do that. But um, how can do you remember how much that that was the rear wheel you said the rear the, the rear aluminum rim yeah. was uh, I think it was two grand yeah that sounds about right that sounds about right and if you were really anal about things Lou you'd be buying a whole new set and just keeping them in plastic inside your garage so when that happens again or you decide that uh oh there's a little chip here I got to get a new rim you'll have them in <laughs> stock <laughs> and do yeah. it before they run out I mean what is the Viper parts uh situation like from from chrysler from dodge do they have can you can you go to a dealer and get parts for your car fairly easily are they special order or is there stuff that's just not available anymore yeah i haven't had any challenges yet um to the chrysler's products uh credit uh i have had very little problems with my viper uh matter of fact uh i'm just washed it and getting ready to store it here in Illinois, and it just crossed twenty six thousand wow. miles. So, so it you know it, it doesn't have for a car that is a hundred thousand mile tune up. It doesn't have <laughs> you know a ton of miles on it, considering the car is now fourteen years yeah. old. Um, it's funny because uh, one year in particular, I can remember taking it out six times that year. It was just a com. It was last year. As a matter of fact, it was just a combination of so much rain, and um, uh, I was traveling a lot, doing a lot of the car shows. So when I was traveling, I didn't have my car with me. I'd be taking these little rental cars, and uh, you know, sadly, did not drive it much. So this year, I definitely made an effort to to get back in it. I think I put three thousand miles on it wow, this year. Wow! Really. Yeah, I like to take it to uh, well, well. The reason why this year in particular was so many miles compared to driving it six times was um, because there are no car shows. Yeah, uh, I'm depending on people who are my car friends who are comfortable with me coming by. Uh, you know, we're we're trying to distance to the best of our abilities, uh, but you know, usually we are going to sit in the car and take a ride in it. And, and you're, you're going to you're going to get a lot more street cred when you pull up in a Viper instead of your Explorer too. So, yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah, the Explorer looks like the cops are coming. To yeah, you. and uh, the Viper is you know they, they pull out their cell phones and go, hey, they're good cars. So, yeah. Um, but but the short story is this year was a, a was a much more challenging year to build the channel, uh, just because of the fact that I couldn't go to a car show. Uh, I did go to a few of them. Uh, but uh, uh, not many, and uh, I was really relying on people who had, uh, I will call it, very good car collections who were allowing me to stop by and uh, video their car collections. So and your Viper was a beneficiary of that. Well, yeah, I mean, and vice versa. I was, too, because I got the chance to drive it. And just uh, most of these people, thankfully, were in the suburbs. So, um, you know, I, it, well, you know, always keeping the legal speed limit in my car, of course. So. But, uh, yeah, there were a few country roads that uh, uh, the wind must have been behind me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 There was a few times where the wind was behind me. And, uh, yeah. So you were that blue streak I saw (laughs) a few weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of the blue streak, some breaking news for our Car Guy Report people is that the Americans, something called the SSC, just broke the speed supercar uh, speed record of 316 miles an hour on uh, the Nevada highway. So, uh, Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, and that was not me. My car definitely, you know, I would be, have to be shot out of a cannon to pull that <laughs> off. But, uh, uh, and I wouldn't want to drive 316 miles an hour. That's actually. pretty I, I, scary. Yeah. That, and just think about the tires. I mean, just the heat and the friction that is building up on the tires and on just because someone told me once that the high i don't know i'm not i've never been good at uh science as far as like chemistry and things like physics but someone was saying that you know obviously the faster you go the the air resistance gets high i don't know if it's exponentially or what what degree it increases at but at like a certain speed of like 200 miles an hour they said that the air uh resistance is like you know like molasses you know it's that thick that you're 
trying to power through. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what somebody told me once. And at 300 miles an hour, you could imagine how much air resistance there is, you know, and that's why aerodynamics come into play so much. But, yeah, that's pretty darn fast. And that's cool, though, that they did it on a actual highway. I read something about that where there's this must be this ribbon, smooth, totally straight stretch in the middle of nowhere in Nevada on the highway. And they have to get it to run. They have to do the average. They have to go one way, then they got to go back the other way to get it official. And um, but yeah, that's that's pretty darn fast. That is that is fast. So we'll uh, hold our breath to uh, see if you uh, get anywhere close to that speed in the Viper at some point, Lou. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, we're at the the point in the show where we have uh, decided to do a little bit of uh, cleaning and sanitization. We have sanitized all our OPI shows for your protection, but you should still be wearing a mask. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19 by following the CDC guidelines. You'll be saving the world and be sure to wash your hands as well. I'm going to go wash mine. Lou will scrub up and wash his hands, put a little bit of scented uh, hand sanitizer on, and we'll be right back. After this, I'm Kimmy. I'm Tommy. And I'm Sam. Oh, 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 and a bottle of scotch. It's another Jolly AF Christmas special with Anne Friends. That's right. We celebrate the Christmas time the way you celebrate the Christmas time yelling at each other. Like family. Join us this blessed Yule as we celebrate our Jolly AF non denominational holiday Christmas special. Listen to Anne Friends on Spotify, OpaiShows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. We're going to kick Frosty the Snowman in the nuts. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, Adam, big weekend. Yeah, Boxing Day, traditionally celebrated the day after Christmas, the biggest bumper day of games. Looking forward to sitting in front of the television and watching a bunch of English Premier League matches. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with Luke Hostable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly do appreciate you having uh, having you with us. And in last uh, in the last episode, we started uh, part one of a list called Cars America Forgot Existed. It comes from a, an outfit called Auto Car. And um, this is part two. A lot more... Uh, uh, a couple more trucks on this uh, list, Lou, on part two of Cars America Forgotten. There's a couple of uh, notable ones that were truly forgettable and uh, a couple of ones that you'll be going like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And a couple of ones like, why did they stop making that? That was actually pretty cool. Do you remember the original Honda Passport? They've got a new Passport out now that came out, uh, I believe, in 2019. Uh, but the original Honda Passport, and I put Honda in quotes because it was a rebadged Zusu Rodeo. And that uh, debuted in 1993. And you used to see a Zusu Rodeos everywhere. I would see a handful of hand- Honda Passports. Now, of course, you don't see a Zusu Rodeos hardly anymore at all. So try to find me a 1993 Honda Passport. I don't think you're going to be able to find one uh, too readily because um, it basically looked almost exactly like the rodeo, a little bit of uh, differentiation in the front and rear fascias, things like that. Of course, Honda badging on it, things like that. But just that Honda rebadged a uh, rodeo by Isuzu means that, you know, the Isuzu rodeo is actually a pretty good car if Honda's putting their name on the line uh, rebadging an Isuzu product. Uh, now, this is a car, Lou, that I had direct experience with. I went on vacation back in the day in the mid-'90s uh, and actually rented one of these things for a while. Remember the Dodge Neon? Neon, sure, yeah. It came as a two-door and a four-door model. Um, the later sport versions were even better um, The because the, it started in 1995, and I think they went up to about 2003 or so, to early 2000s. Um, but I thought it was actually a pretty decent little car. Um, I had rented one in California and I drove it from like San Francisco down to LA and it was, um, peppy. It was fuel efficient. It was fun to drive. I thought it was actually, like I said, a nice car and those were cheap too. I think they were about eight grand when they were out, like seventy nine ninety five or eighty nine ninety five, something like that. 
And uh, the two-door looked nice, and the four-door actually looked pretty nice, too. So I, I would uh, say that if you could find a Dodge Neon and you want just a total beater car for something, you couldn't really go too uh, too far wrong with uh, finding a Dodge Neon. It's well, Go ahead. Also the SRT version. Yeah, the SRT. That's I said. The later sport versions were even better. And the yeah, SRT, yeah. I think that had a turbo in it, and it had the they set up the suspension a little bit better through a spoiler on it. And yeah, they were cool. They were really neat little cars. So I don't, wouldn't say that. I just certainly didn't forget about a a Dodge Neon. But this is one that I'm sure <laughs> most people have forgotten about. Uh, the Suzuki X90. From 1995, it's a weird two-seat target-top mini SUV. So imagine a small SUV with almost like a bubble in the middle where the two seats were, and it would have a target-top on it. Uh, the weirdest-looking thing you've ever seen. They were tiny. It looked, it looked like a baby Jeep. It, it, well, yeah, but even weirder than that because they were tiny, but it was only a two-seater, and it had that that funky, you know, that the passenger compartment to me was very rounded and just, just, yeah. I mean, you remember that obviously. So yeah. my, it was not, it was not, it was not something you looked at it and it just looked, it looked cheap. It looked cheap. It looked odd. It didn't look safe. It just didn't look anything really. I mean, like you wouldn't want to take that thing off road. You wouldn't yeah. want to drive it on the highway. <laughs> so I don't know how many they sold, but uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that was a forgettable um, car. Here's another one that was forgettable, the Cadillac Catera, the caddy that zigs. That was uh, GM's um, uh, try at uh, giving the Cadillac a little bit of European cachet. It was sold as the Vauxhall Omega in England and the Opal elsewhere in the world. I said, nice style, but crap otherwise. <laughs> and remember, they, they, they had the, not only the caddy that zigs in the ads, but they had this woman that was named Lisa Katera. And it was like some weird thing. You're supposed to relate Lisa Katera and this attractive woman with a Cadillac Katera. It was just bizarre. It was just a bizarre ad campaign and just a and it was a big a huge failure i mean that the car did not sell here at all and it was just a yeah, the caddy that zigs here's a car that was very cool and you I, if you don't have one on the on the channel lou i would i would say try to find one of these if you don't remember the isuzu vehicross from 1997 as if mad max went out and bought an suv do you remember those <laughs> no, but there wasn't a Zuzu, uh, or maybe it was a Subaru. It looked uh, like a like a chunk of cheese. It was like a wedge. It almost looked like a TR7 with a roof on it. Do you remember that one? You're talking about the, I think it was the Subaru SVX. I think that's it, yeah. It had that's the window that. within the window on the side. Right. So that, you're, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, this thing, the Isuzu Viacross, it was a, it was a uh, SUV. They all came, I believe they were, it seems like everyone was painted silver, but then the whole hood and the roof was like blacked out with matte black, and it had this funky roundedness to it, and it was just a, it was a futuristic looking vehicle in 1997, and that's why I said it looks like Mad Max, something Mad Max would drive. I said, cool, rare, unique. They made about 6,000 of them, and you don't see them too often. I've seen one or two at a car show. Is or it, a Cars and Coffee. SUV, is it the SUV that looks like the front teeth have fangs on it? No. Okay, all right. No, but it's but when you see one, you know what it is because it's just really unique. And I just always thought, it, even, even today, 23 years later, it looks pretty cool. And people notice it when they see it on the road just because of the way they did the paint and just the way the car looks. It, it looks like a really kind of a cool, funky-looking SUV. Nothing like that stupid X190 we just talked about, but, yeah, the Vehicross, V-E-H-I-C-R-O-S-S from Isuzu in 1997. Three more on the list, Lou, two trucks and one car. The Mercury Marauder, that was the... Um, Competitor to the Impala SS at the time, although the Marauder came out in 2003 and 2004 only, while the Impala SS was reintroduced like in 1996 or 97. The Mercury Marauder, uh, I remember a lot of them came in all black, kind of looked like a uh, you know a total blacked out police car, had a 302 horsepower, 4.6 liter V8 in it. 
Um, and this surprised me because you don't see too many Mercury Marauders these days on the road because they only sold 11,000 of them, which is a lot lower than I thought because uh, they only made it for two years. So that means they probably only made about 5,000 a year, sold 5,000 a year. So Mercury Marauder, the performance was never really that great, even though it had a you know decent engine in it. It looked cool. Um, you get it all black. You get the, you know, it had the dual exhaust. It had the sound. It had the look to a point. I just don't think it ever performed as well as it could have, but uh, it was uh, Ford's uh, answer to the uh, Impala SS at the time in the early 2000s. Two trucks to round out the list of cars that America forgot, the Chevy SSR. That was that weird hardtop retractable pickup truck that um, Chevy brought out. Uh, had a retractable hardtop. It had Corvette power. It had design cues from the advanced design pickups from the late 40s and the early 50s. It had the rounded front fenders and kind of the rounded hood. So it was kind of, they, they got, it was Chevy getting caught up in that whole retro thing that they were doing at the time, like with the, with the high heritage, high roof, uh, uh, kind of, uh, I don't even know what you call those. The Chevy HHR was uh, kind of a, a PT Cruiser um, uh competitor and but this chevy ssr pickup was just weird a retractable kind of like that dakota sport we talked about it was a basically a convertible pickup truck that was very impractical it had corvette power so it had plenty of power and it had a great sound it just had a weird look and i swear everyone was painted bright yellow too i don't think i've ever seen a, an ssr that hasn't been painted bright yellow I, uh, i've seen some red ones red ones yeah i mean what do you think that was a weird thing wasn't it i mean I, I'm the opposite. I you, thought that was really cool. Really? Clearly, it was clearly not functional. I mean, the back, the back wheels were slicks on it, basically. Yeah. And, you know, there's no way you use it as a pickup truck. It was absolutely completely unfunctional as a vehicle other than just something to show off in. And the, and the roof came down with a, with a hard top that dropped back on it, I believe. Oh, really? Um, yeah. But I, uh, so, so, you know, it was a convertible, it was a convertible pickup. Um, that uh, you know that was just for showing off, yeah. and uh, very much similar to uh, the response to the uh, uh, the Prowler. Exactly, you know, another, another car that had no no real value is something that you, know, you can't put any luggage in or in. Exactly, yeah. But just just something when you when you've got too much money and too much garage space, this is what you buy. That's what you buy <laughs> exactly. And then the last one on our list is uh, the 2004 Chevrolet Envoy XUV. Now the Envoy was basically uh, like a Chevy Suburban, uh, slightly smaller, like a like a Tahoe. Basically, yeah, it was a Tahoe. But it had this retractable rear roof panel, so you could t- carry tall objects like plants or trees. If you're actually deciding to go to the nursery and buy a, a tree for your yard, you could put it upright and drive home in it. But it was basically a, a total ripoff of the Studebaker 1963 Studebaker Wagoneer because Studebaker did the same thing back in 63 with their Wagoneer. They had the rear... Uh, roof retract into the upper part of the roof so the tailgate and the whole back end would be open so it's kind of like a kind of like their version of trying to make it into a station wagon slash pickup truck and i know that studebaker had issues with leakage and things like that and the chevrolet envoy i don't know what if what if any kind of issues they had with their retractable rear panel but it just didn't sell and i think it I don't know if they only sold it for that one year or just a couple of years, but just kind of another, you know, I don't, what were they thinking in the early 2000s between the Envoy, the SSR, the HHR, the Prowler? They were going crazy. It's like they, they, they ran out of ideas and said, well, let's just go back and see what we did 30 years ago or 40 years ago and <laughs> give that a try. Now, this, this is a bonus to you and I as well, because I looked at it as just the opposite. I looked at it as, I thought that that was a great time. A great time? No, I, it was. Well, well, well let, me, let me define why I say that. I say that only because if you go back 10 years and you look at 1989, that, in my opinion, was the least creative time of cars ever. Yeah. I mean, it was just brutal. I mean, there was, 
when the you know I mean they came out with nothing until finally the nineties. I mean there was so much clamoring in the you know, the foreign cars were just taking over the American cars. It wasn't even getting close. I mean, it used to be in the seventies you had a Cadillac, you had status, then in the eighties, you know, it was a Mercedes and we didn't even look at it. If you had a Cadillac because of the Shimron or whatever they called that thing or the Citron or whatever it was, you know, it was almost looked down upon. Um so we needed something to bring us back. So I think during the 90s, uh, we got a little of our American mojo back between things like, uh, um, you know, the uh, Dodge Stealth and the Viper. And, um, you know, I like the fact that they went to the retro versions, um, you know, of, uh, you know, even Ford tried to do a little retro version with the Mustang. They got it right in, the, you know, 2005 or whatever yeah. when they and the same thing with the Camaro. They, they basically went, went back to Gen 1, if you will, and, and put a you know new face in the Gen 1. And let's take your car, the one you just picked up, right? I mean, uh, the Challenger. So, I mean, we really got it right as far as, okay, we, you know, in the 90s we went back, but we literally went back to like the 30s. We, we said, okay, <laughs> let's see what the design was in the 40s, and let's make a, another Roadster, you know, and let's make a 50s pickup truck look cool now what would a 50s pickup truck look like if we put slicks on the back and yeah. made it functional and put a top down so so the, the the direction was right and then perfected probably mid mid 2005 when all of a sudden we went right back to you know hey if we're going back let's go back to the best of the best and that's when we started to get it right as usual lou you you add insight and intrigue to uh the topics that we talk about here on the Car Guys Report. So I definitely appreciate that insight. But I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for variety and all for, um, you know, even if you're making a, ultimately end up making, you know, only a few thousand of a model, at least the manufacturer had the, had the wherewithal and the ability and the desire to bring something out. And if it sold well, it sold well. If it didn't, it didn't. But at least they tried and it made some people happy. And and uh, you don't see too many of those SSRs. And they really haven't caught on collectability-wise that much yet either. I don't see the prices being that outrageous yet. But um, that may change somewhere down the line. But that was another one of our famous lists that we like to do here on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. And thanks so much for uh, listening to what we had to say about that list and and for bearing with us as we work our way through some of these lists that, well, they kind of seem to never end sometimes. But while you're listening to the Car Guys Report, you can remember to find us pretty much anywhere. You can let your friends and your family know about the uh, Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music Podcasts, Amazon Audible. The list goes on and on and on. You can search for OPI, O-P-P-I-H, on those platforms. You can also search for Radio Misfits. That's where you'll find our podcast, The Car Guys Report. And remember, every podcast that you get through the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is absolutely free, and it's listening on your own terms. Wherever you are, in your car, your office, your home, your bedroom, your park, walking your dog, listening on Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, your laptop, your desktop, your iPod, your phone, Anywhere you are, whatever you're listening on, you can get our podcast. And remember, it's listening on your own terms. You can fast forward, rewind, replay, do whatever you want. That's what podcasting is all about with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable. And we're at the point of the program, Lou, where we get to play the Car Guys Report guessing game. I knocked it out of the park on last episode, so I'm going to try to see if I can keep up my winning streak. Let us know how the game uh, works. So if this is your first time listening to our show and you're playing the Car Guys Report guessing game, the guessing comes that I have three cars on my YouTube channel that have been, I'll call it, percolating for a while or been out there being viewed. And uh, we look at those cars in a particular week, and uh, I choose the oldest car first. Mark has no idea of the amount of views that each one of them got, and we guess, obviously, by ranking of views, which one was most popular. 
So in today's episode, uh, and we rank them first, second, and third, obviously, first amount of views. Now, you can video the same cars, and you could get completely different results, but these are the ones on the channel. So here's the three cars, oldest first. The first one is a 1955 Cadillac, a.k.a. the Sandman Resto Mod. Hmm. So it's a four-door Resto Mod uh, in a uh, chocolate and tan color, um, giving it the Sandman look. And uh, that's our first guess of, hmm. the, of the one. The second one is a 1970 Dodge Challenger RT convertible in plum crazy hmm. and a ride. And the third one is a 1973 Buick Century Grand Sport T-Code, uh, which was the more powerful engine uh, that has uh, uh, a stock appearance to it. So we've got two stock cars and one resto modded car. The 55 is the resto mod. The other ones are stock. Two questions. So, uh, um, the and, color and of let, the. And, and let me mention something. The last one, there was a very big discrepancy in mm-hmm. the numbers. This time, all three of them have 4,000 views. The oh, question wow. Is, what is this? This time the question is, what is the hundreds view? Yeah. So, they're but they're basically almost identical huh. in in the picks. What Go color? Ahead. What color is the um, the last one you, you were telling me about? You said the, the 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 was it a Challenger that's in Plum Crazy? The Challenger's in Plum Crazy. And then, and then the ne- the last one was uh, the Buick, or yeah, the the, the GS, right? Yeah, the Buick. The Buick color is. Uh, uh, it looks like I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually take a look at the exact name of the color. Harvest gold paint. Hmm. Harvest gold. So it, actually, it actually has a little copper hue. To okay. It. Okay. So I, I would think say, I know I, that. You know, very, very, very typical '73 Buick that gold, you know, color that they have. And then the Cadillac. Do you know what model that was? Was it like uh, a, a was it like a sedan Deville or was it a Series sixty two or it, it, it was a four door so so you know it wouldn't be the Eldorado necessarily yeah. it was a fifty five so you know it looks to me like maybe uh, you know a Deville or a sixty two I don't know the and was it but it's a fifty five right fifty five yeah okay and did it have like funky rims on it or anything oh yeah this is totally this is a one hundred percent decked out car and just a reminder these are all. 4,000 views. So okay. 4,000, 4,000, 4,000, 4,000. So these are like, you know, as far as, you know, and they, this was back in July, or excuse me, this was back in June. So these are almost like a dead heat. Wow. Car. In other words, you knocked it out of the park last time, but I gave you a 5,000, <laughs> well, a 1,000. Oh, so you're saying I, you made it easy for me. Not, not, yeah, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I had to get the confidence back up. Now I'm saying, okay, you know, you want to, you played in the minor leagues and hit a few homers. Now look, let's bring you up to the major league. Okay, well, here we go. I'm going to go with the, uh, partly because my heart says I have to because I own one. Uh, of course, mine's not plum crazy. It's not a 1970, but I'll go with the Challenger first. I'll go with the uh, Sandman Caddy second and the Buick third. Okay. Well, the Sandman Caddy came in first. It did. Okay. Again, they all had 4,000. This is really tough. To, you know, this isn't almost even a guess because they're all right there, right? So that one had 4,430 views. The one that had 4,319 views oh. was the Buick. Really? And, 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 the, and the, the Challenger RT convertible came in with 4,018 views. Wow. Huh. So, so we're off a little on this episode, <laughs> and that's the beauty of the episode. You too can guess, and I hope you came in first, second, and third on those. But uh, we'll have more guessing for you coming up in our next episode. Yeah, well, thanks for letting me down easy there, Lou. <laughs> now that I know that the other one was rigged <laughs> to make me feel no, good. No, 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 no. Definitely not rigged. I, mean, and, and I know, I'm just... But, but, a good, but a good point, because, and I've said this before, you know, you could, Mark Vernon could video a car and throw it on YouTube, and it's going to get completely different results, even if we video the same car. Yeah. Sometimes it's what I'm videoing. So it is fun to see 
you know, what takes off and what doesn't take off. And uh, that's what makes the guessing game so fun. We exactly. Never know. Even, exactly. I don't, even I don't know when I throw them off. The Car Guys Report guessing game, part of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive Podcast. If you haven't checked out Lou's YouTube channel, it's called My Car Story with Lou. Definitely worth your time. 1,500-plus car videos, 85,000 subscribers. Take some time and revel in all the great automotive uh, beauty that uh, Lou has on his YouTube channel. Coming up on the uh, next episode of the Car Guys Report, we're going to have Lou uh, take a day off. I'm going to be talking with our man in the field, Roger Rexroad. We're going to have a nice uh, BS session with uh, Roger talking about, of course, cars. So make sure you uh, listen for that episode. Certainly, uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Car Guys Report. All our listeners in the U.S., Australia, Canada, and elsewhere, thanks so much for being part of the Car Guys Report. Certainly appreciate all your support and your uh, continued uh, dedication to listening and supporting our podcast. Certainly appreciate that. Mark Vernon along with Luke Hostable. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo spelled backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. How now, brown cow? Whose face would you use to rev up your anger? Social justice is served in Michigan. My brush with Mary Tyler Moore and Valerie Harper and much more, including unlimited tangents. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, Steve and I ask each other some unusual questions. Like, do you like buffets? And what would Howard rather be, rich or famous? It'll lead to some unusual answers. Things that make you go, hmm. On Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts to search for Radio Misfits. If that doesn't make you want to hear this, nothing will. <laughs> Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, we pilot higher and deeper in a wide-ranging automotive bull session with our man in the field, Roger Rexroad. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me for this memorable BS session on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.